The past three weeks, we looked at some important themes for Christmas in the new year. But now we're circling back to finish the last arc of our series in the book of Ephesians called New Humanity. Now let me refresh our memory a bit from the holiday season. One of the key teachings of the book of Ephesians is that it's vital for us Christians to understand who we are as God's new people. And here's the reason why. To become a Christian, you don't just adopt a new lifestyle or religious affiliation. Those are just external changes. When you become a Christian, it's more radical and fundamental than that. It's to be born again. It's a new spiritual birth. God gives you a new heart. And you are now a new creation with a new identity that is permanently tied up to Jesus Christ. The way Paul says it is you're now in Christ. You're now located in Christ. And in Ephesians 1, Paul says, In Christ, God has given us every spiritual blessing. So you have these vast spiritual resources, but you have to draw them out and operationalize it onto your life. Therefore, the more we learn to access who we are, the richest of our identity in Christ, the more we're going to experience those blessings. And we're now going to talk today about the most precious gift that God has given us. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. God gives us no one less than the third person of the triune Godhead. If you've ever felt like you don't have self-control or you lack joy, if you ever felt like you're stuck, you're confused in life, if you've ever felt like this sin keeps coming back to haunt me, then this is exactly what you need. You need to be filled with the Spirit. Now, maybe you're not a Christian and you're just checking things out then this is actually a good topic for you to start understanding what Christianity is all about. The reason is, Christians don't really believe that we're better people than others. We don't, or at least we shouldn't, because the Bible says we're not more righteous or more disciplined than other people. No. In fact, we believe that by ourselves, we had no hope of becoming good people. We were powerless. That's exactly why God had to give us Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's how badly we needed help. And so listen, looking at what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit is also going to show you what is the Bible's diagnosis for the human heart. Now you may not believe what the Bible says, but you at least have to check it out because Billions of people across the centuries, across different cultures, have embraced what the Bible explains about their human experience. They deeply resonated with what the Bible says. And therefore, you at least have to check out what is this that the Bible says that deeply resonates across a wide spectrum of humanity. You at least have to check that out, right? And it helps you understand what Christianity is all about, whether it's true or not. So let's look at what Paul says about this. It's in Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 21. Paul says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, 
making the best uses of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, all Christians have heard about the Holy Spirit, but many of us just have a vague idea of who He is and what He does. And practically speaking, many of us don't really interact with the Spirit at all. And that's a tragedy because the Spirit is the precious gift of God for us. So let's get started. Let's understand who He is and what He does in us. Now, from this passage, let's try to answer three things. What the Spirit does in us, what are the marks of the Spirit, and how can we be filled with the Spirit? Now, we can't possibly cover everything about the Holy Spirit, but from this, we're going to get some crucial information to get us started. So, let's look at number one, what the Spirit does in us. Now, if you look again at the first part of the passage, you might think that Paul's talking about two things here. There's wisdom and then there's the Spirit. But actually, Paul connects the two together. It's one and the same. But the main thrust is really about being filled with the Spirit. Wisdom is the byproduct. Now, why is that? What exactly does the Spirit do that it makes us wise? Well, the clue is in the comparison that Paul makes between the Spirit and being drunk with wine. Now, Paul, by the way, isn't the first one to make that comparison. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And what did some people say about them? They said, these guys must have been drinking. Why say that? Well, it's because, as one commentator says, only drunk people can become that happy and brave. No sober person becomes that happy or become that brave. They must be drinking. See, when the Spirit fills you, you become happier and braver than you normally would be. Now, I'll get back to that. But for now, notice there's a crucial difference between the Spirit and getting drunk. Both of them can make you braver and happier, yes, but the difference is that alcohol does that by making you foolish. But the Spirit does that by making you wise. Now you may say, well, how does that work? Well, one of the best explanations for this is what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says. Dr. Lloyd-Jones was a medical doctor before he became a pastor. So when he studied this passage, she gave this medical analogy. He says, from a medical point of view, alcohol is not a stimulant, it's a depressant. Now what that means is, when you take alcohol, it depresses your brain function. It weakens the parts of the brain that give you judgment and understanding and self-control. 
So alcohol weakens your judgment and understanding. So you start to see reality less. Your perception becomes less accurate. And alcohol also weakens your self-control. So you start to make bad decisions. In other words, getting drunk makes you foolish. On the other hand, Dr. Lloyd-Jones says, if you could medically categorize the Holy Spirit, he would be a stimulant like caffeine. The reason is, when you're filled with the Spirit, he stimulates your heart and your mind and your will so that you function at a higher level. Your judgment and your understanding are heightened so you start to see reality more accurately. You start to see a wider reality out there. And when you're filled with the Spirit, you don't lose self-control, you gain it. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit in you. So you start to make better decisions. Being filled with the Spirit is like a shot of espresso to your soul because He awakens and energizes everything about you, your whole being, so that you understand reality better. He energizes every good part in you. The quality of your character, the way you handle your emotions, the substance of your thought and your words, everything is sharpened and heightened by the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit makes you wise. That's why if you look at the first part of what Paul says here, he says, look carefully how you live. Be extra careful, be extra attentive, be intensely mindful so that you can spot any opportunity and maximize it. Now, how do you do that? How can you operate at such a high level of mental clarity and spiritual discernment? Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. That's how you can go beyond your very best. That's how you, in any given situation, can understand what the will of the Lord is. You don't get confused. You can identify and discern it. In any situation, you can be wise, not unwise. That's what the Spirit does. See, alcohol and getting drunk, yes, it makes you braver and happier, but it does that by making you forget your troubles. That's why you end up happier. But how does the Spirit make you braver? How does it make you happier? He doesn't make you forget your troubles. He doesn't make you see less of reality. In fact, He goes the other way. You start to see and perceive reality better. But you see a bigger reality. You see a spiritual reality behind those things. So you're not just narrowed down on your troubles. You see a bigger reality. And you see that, in fact, your troubles are embedded inside a bigger reality of grace and goodness and wisdom working for the good of your life. That's why you can be happier. You can be braver in spite of your troubles. That's what the Spirit does. So, for example, say you are extremely worried about a complex situation, a complex problem in your life. What would happen if you are filled with the Spirit? He's going to sharpen your mind so that you can make a better judgment of how to work things out. He's going to give you self-control and peace so that you don't make impulsively bad decisions that you'll regret later on. He's going to 
heighten your spiritual discernment so that you can identify how to do God's will in the middle of such a complicated situation. He's going to sharpen your spiritual senses so that you can see God's loving and good hand through all of it. And in the end, the Spirit melts your worries and your fears into courage and joy and wisdom. You'll face your troubles braver, happier, and wiser. Do you want that? What happens to you? What can happen in your life when you are filled with the Spirit? What are the marks of the Spirit in you? Let's look at that. And Paul gives us four marks of the Spirit. If you're filled with the Spirit, this is what happens in you. Paul says, you're not drunk and yet you're always singing. You're always grateful. You're always willingly submitting yourself to others. Why? Because when the Spirit fills you, He fills you with a deep sense of joy and confidence. And it radiates out into all your life, into all your relationships. See, one mark, he says, one mark of being filled is you address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, that does not mean that you live in a Disney movie where you speak to each other in song. No, that's not it. What that means is when Christians gather together, you can't help but want to sing and talk to them about God. You're bursting out of, into song because of that joy in you. And so when people see you, when people spend time in you, and they're moved, they're encouraged, they're built up by the way you sing, by the way you pray, by the way you talk, by the way you live your life. When they spend time with you, it's like they're listening to a worship song, drawing them towards God. It's like they're overhearing this background melody of joy in your life. There's always a song of worship going on inside you. That can happen because another mark is that you're singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now, that means you're not just singing in Sunday at church. No, that song in your heart is constant throughout the week. It goes on and on and on. It's always there. There's always a constant melody of joy. And through the years, that melody becomes more intense, sweeter and purer and cleaner inside you, even through the ups and downs of life. You say, how can that happen, even through the downs of life? Because the third mark is that you're giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not just in the good times, but even the bad times. Now, are we crazy? Are we drunk? No, it's because we're filled with the Spirit. And remember what the Spirit does. He awakens you to a reality, to a bigger spiritual reality. And you start to see that yes, even though life is hard and sin is near, but God is good and grace is here. And that's why you can say, you know, Lord, I don't completely understand, but even now, your love is being poured out into my heart, assuring me, comforting me, strengthening me. So Lord, thank you. So yes, bad things still happen, 
And even if you're filled with the Spirit, you can still be overwhelmed by sorrow, yes. But that joy in you can never be snuffed out. It will never be overpowered or muted in your life. There's always going to be a song of joy in your life. And that's why you become someone who can be gladly submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, in the next two weeks, we're going to talk more about submitting to others. But I just want to point out to you now that that kind of submissive attitude, it won't happen and it won't make sense unless you're filled with the Spirit. Now, let me put it this way. Think back to wine and alcohol. What does that do to you? Alcohol takes away our inhibitions, the things that you were afraid of, the things that used to hold you back. Alcohol melts that away, right? It takes away the inhibitions. And so you start to do things you normally would not do. That's what the Spirit also does. Ah, but there's a crucial difference. Alcohol and getting drunk makes you behave more like an animal. But the Spirit makes you behave more like Christ. And the Spirit takes away all the inhibitions that used to stop you from acting more like Christ. The fear that used to hold you back from doing what's right. The pride that used to hold you back from serving and, and, and it's driving you to want to dominate others. The Spirit melts all of that away. The Spirit takes away the inhibitions that are preventing you from acting more like Christ. And so the Spirit frees you to become more Christ-like. He not only puts a song of joy into us, but He also melts away the chains. He melts away the fears so that we're fearless, we're confident. He melts away the pride so that we're we're humble and meek. So we become this extraordinary person who's both fearless and yet humble, who's confident and yet meek. You become this beautiful person. In, in short, you become more like Christ. So you become this person who can learn from anyone. You can serve anyone, regardless of their belief or age or class. You can serve them. You can receive criticism better. You're not as self-conscious anymore. You're not as, you're not as sensitive anymore. You're not filled with fear and pride because you're filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit puts a song of joy and He melts away the fear and the pride and He makes you more like your Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want that? Don't we all need that? So let's ask number three, how can we be filled with the Spirit? Now in this command that Paul gives about being filled with the Spirit, there's three things we can say about that. Three things, but it's actually just one thing. But let me break it down into three so that it's easier for us to understand and more practical to do. So three things. Number one, it's to keep yourself open to the Spirit. Now here's what I mean. Grammatically speaking, this command is in a passive voice. Now what that means is, it's not something that we achieve. It's something that happens to us. 
So there's really no formula or technique to being filled with the Spirit. But what we can do is to keep ourselves open to the Spirit so that He can fill us. Now here's what I mean by that. Back in chapter 1, if you remember, Paul says that every Christian has been sealed with the Spirit. He now dwells in us. So every Christian has a Spirit. So the question is not if you have the Spirit, you do. The question is if the Spirit has you. Does He have all of you? Does He have open access to every part of your life? Open access to change, to command, to redirect, to influence. Does He have open access to you? That means, if you want to keep yourself open to the Spirit, you have to stop trying to block Him from certain areas of your life. Remember, He's the Holy Spirit. So He's going to go after every unholy thing in our lives. But if we keep trying to block His way on certain areas of our life, if we keep trying to keep, protect some things in our life from Him, we're keeping Him at an arm's length, and you can expect to be filled with the Spirit that way. No, we have to get out of the way and let the Spirit go after everything. So you have to ask yourselves, is there some things in my life that I'm not willing to hand over to Him? Where do I need to step aside and give Him open access? Maybe it's some habit. Maybe it's some content you're watching. Maybe it's some relationship. Maybe it's some schedule in your life that you're not willing to give up. Whatever that may be, we have to step aside and stop trying to block Him. Keep your life open to the Spirit. In fact, we don't just step out of the way. We actually have to go and present it to Him. We have to surrender it to Him. We have to give it for His command. So you look at your life, and you present it to Him, and you say, Lord, have your way. You look at your bank account. You look at your calendar. You look at your heart's desires. You look at your plans, and you present it to Him, and you say, Lord, have your way. You surrender it to Him. You present it for His redirection. That's how you, number one, keep yourself open to the Spirit. And number two is you need to keep doing that. This command is an ongoing command. It's not like you do it once and then you're filled for life. No, no, no. This is a daily decision. Daily, intentional, conscious decision that we have to make. So what you can do is, every morning when you wake up, before you grab for your phone, before you go grab breakfast, take a few moments to internally check in. And you present your life once again, and you say, Lord, have your way today. And the crucial thing is to do this every single morning. And in fact, several times throughout a single day. Do it constantly. So you need to keep opening yourself to the Spirit, and you need to keep doing it. And number three, you keep exposing yourself to the Gospel. Now that's not here, 
But Paul writes another passage that is a complete mirror to our passage today. It's in Colossians 3, 16 to 17. It says there, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, take a look at that again, and you'll notice that this passage is very, very similar to our Ephesians passage. And what Paul does here is something like a copy, paste, and then rephrase between the two letters. But... Instead of saying, be filled with the Spirit, he replaces that and he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, the word of Christ refers generally to the whole of scriptures, God's word, the word of God. But in particular, the word of Christ is the good word of Christ. It's the good news of Christ, which is the gospel. And Paul says, hey, Being filled with the Spirit and being filled with the Word of Christ is essentially linked. It's one and the same. To be filled with the Spirit, let the Word of Christ dwell in you. If to be filled with the Spirit, let the Gospel radiate all the way down to the core of your inmost being. Now, why is that? What's the connection there? Well, here's the reason why. Jesus says in John that the Spirit comes to glorify him to glorify Jesus the Spirit's mission in your life is to take all the gospel truth of who God is and what he's done for you by grace through Christ it's to take all of that gospel truth and to make it so real and clear in our lives that it puts a song of joy in our hearts that it melts away our pride and our fears The Spirit's mission is to radiate the gospel all the way down so that joy radiates all the way out. So if you want to be filled with the Spirit, then you need to keep exposing yourself to the gospel until it dwells in you richly. So that means you need to study the scriptures. You need to meditate on the gospel You need to pray and think hard about the truth of the gospel until it sinks all the way in. It's certainly more than that, but it's never less than that. See, I've heard some people say to me, you know, you guy, you you have your doctrine, your truth, your memorization, your study, but you know, I'm more interested in spiritual, mystical experiences. I'm more into that. Well, Paul says, they're linked. They're one and the same. If you want the Spirit, you need the Word of Christ. So three things there. You keep yourself open to the Spirit, you keep doing that, and you keep exposing yourself to the Gospel. Now I said that these three things are really just one thing. You know why? Because think about it. What would make you Keep opening yourself to the Spirit every day. What would make you keep saying every morning, Lord, have your way? You know that if you do that, there's a possibility that 
The Spirit would remove some precious thing in your life. He may redirect your precious plans. He may redirect some precious resources that you that was valuable to you. What would make you do that every day? The only way you would do that happily and gladly is if you're exposed to the gospel that Jesus does the same for you in a far, far greater scale. You might lose a precious thing or two when you give yourself to the Spirit. Yes, that's possible. But Jesus had everything and he gave up everything for you. He does that so that he could remove the sin that's blocking you and God. And now through his death and resurrection, you and I have full open access to God and his blessings and his love. Jesus does that for us. So that now the word of Christ is not condemnation. It doesn't bring us fear. It doesn't, it doesn't bring us dread and sorrow. No, the word of Christ brings us joy. It melts our fears and our pride. The word of Christ is no longer condemnation, but grace. Keep exposing yourself to the gospel truth, and you'll find in yourself a willingness, a happiness to open yourself to the Spirit in every part of your life, and thereby, be filled with the Spirit. Are you ready? Now go and let us be filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have given us every spiritual blessing. You have even given us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, and we can be filled with His power stimulating, energizing, awakening us to your truth. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that it's possible for a song of joy to dominate our lives. We thank you, Lord, that our fears and our pride can be melted away by the gospel through your spirit. So, Lord, we humbly ask, fill us with the spirit. We open our lives to you. Have your way. Thank you, Lord. We present these prayers and our heart's desires to you, Lord, in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you again for joining our online worship. I pray that you would truly be filled with the Spirit. God bless you.